0: to give you a warm welcome uh, to our morning service from Crescent Church. Would you believe that this is the 24th recorded morning service that we have produced. Hopefully from next week most of us will be able to meet together in the church building once again as we worship God together. We will give you some more details of this later in the service. On behalf of the church I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has been involved in producing these services over the past few months, particularly the hard work that has gone on in the background uh, to bring things together. We are really thankful that we have been able to continue to worship God and to learn uh, from his word uh, over this period. This morning, we are finishing our series uh, in the life of David, a man after God's own heart. And our speaker this morning is David Farrell. We're going to sing the words of I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Saviour on that cursed tree. O praise the name of the Lord our God. O praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. O Lord, O Lord, our God. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love for us and for the forgiveness and hope that we can find in Christ. We thank you for the studies over recent weeks looking at the life of King David. We have learnt so much from his character and how you worked in his life. And we ask that you continue to teach us this morning as we consider the legacy which he left. We continue to pray for our world at this time of uncertainty. Give wisdom to our governments and the world leaders. We also think of our schools that have returned this past week and for the challenges that will be faced over the next few months. We also pray for our health service at this time. As a church we look forward to hopefully meeting together again on Sunday mornings. But we think of those who will not be able to join with us physically. And we pray that you will continue to bless them as they are able to connect with us online. Guide us as we make these changes, that they will be for the benefit of our church and will bring glory to your name. We ask that you will bless us today and we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our topic this morning is the legacy that King David uh, left behind. And the words of the final verse of our next song uh, focus on the legacy uh, that we should all aim uh, to have. It says, So Spirit come, put strength in every stride, give grace for every hurdle, that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old, Still line the way, retelling triumphs of his grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. I mentioned earlier that from next week we hope to base ourselves back in the church building for the morning services and I want to encourage all those who are able uh, to come along to the services. We will meet at 10 30 for our Breaking of Bread service followed by a short family service and we particularly want to encourage any young families uh, to come along and to join with us next Sunday morning. David uh, Farrell's topic uh, for this morning is A Heart to Leave a Legacy and before David comes to speak Katie Kennedy will bring some readings from 2 Samuel and First Kings.
1: second samuel chapter 23 verses 1 to 7 now these are the last words of david the oracle of david the son of jesse the oracle of the man who was raised on high the anointed of the god of jacob the sweet psalmist of israel the spirit of the lord speaks by me his word is on my tongue the god of israel has spoken the rock of israel has said to me when one rules justly over men ruling in the fear of god he dawns on them like the morning light Like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? But worthless men are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear and they are utterly consumed with fire first kings chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 and verses 10 to 12 when david's time to die drew near he commanded solomon his son saying i am about to go the way of all the earth be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the lord your god walking in his ways and keeping his statutes his commandments his rules and his testimonies as is written in the law of moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness, with all of their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was forty years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and thirty-three years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of David, his father, and his kingdom was firmly established.
2: Good morning. Thank you for joining with us this morning at the Crescent, and thank you for the reading of those words from Second Samuel and from First Kings chapter 2. This morning we're finishing our series on the life of David. And in particular, we're looking at the legacy which David left. The legacy which has impacted the whole of the scriptures. Many years ago, I was shopping in a well-known supermarket in Newton Abbey And as I approached the till, an elderly lady came up to me. She looked me in the eye, and then she uttered words which I hadn't heard for many a year. She said to me, are you Tatey? Now for those of you who don't come from Northern Ireland or may not realise the significance of having a surname like Farrell, Titty Farrell has a meaning for you or for us. Whenever she referred to me as Titi she was referring to a nickname which had been used by me or used of me for years as i worked in a youth club in the Newton Abbey area it was a boys club and at that boys club we had young boys from the ages of seven right through to 16. i realized that she was referring back to the boys club and then she said something which quite stunned me she said tithy My boys are well up now in years. They are in stable employment. They've got stable marriages. They're a couple of really lovely lads. And she said, when I reflect on their life, she said, I realise that you as a leader and the other leaders of that organisation poured into those boys something that you may never have realised. You impacted their life. You left them a legacy, something which has impacted right through to this very day, and I want to thank you. I was quite stunned and taken aback by her comments, leaving a legacy. Whenever we talk about leaving a legacy today, we frequently consider it from the perspective of having left a financial legacy. Whenever somebody passes away, there is a will and a legacy. Property, money, whatever it might be, forwarded and given to the family and friends. But there is also another meaning to a legacy. And a legacy can be something which is positive and impacting and has impacted upon an individual in their life. This morning, we're considering the legacy which David led. The legacy which he left. When we left David last week, we left him in a very, very dark place. If you remember, whenever we left David last week, we had taken him outside of Jerusalem. He climbed to the top of the Mount of Olives. He looked down across the city for what he thought could have been the last time. He was dressed in ashes, sackcloth and weeping. And he was fleeing from a rebellion which had been orchestrated by his son Absalom. And we trace that right back, that it was a consequence of a sin. The sin with Bathsheba, which led to murder, which led to the consequences which we saw in his family. We left him in an incredibly dark place. But we considered Psalm 51 last week. And when we looked at Psalm 51, we saw David pouring out his heart to God and asking God to blot out my transgressions, asking God to wash him and to cleanse him, and for David to to celebrate in the fact that his sin had been forgiven. And then he prayed in Psalm 51 for God to use him, to use him. I'm reminded of the story which comes from the life of John Rockefeller. John Rockefeller was an oil tycoon. He made his billions on the oil market. He was a man who expected a very, very high standard of work, especially from his senior executives. And one senior executive made a tragic mistake, a terrible mistake one day, and the the company lost um, $2 million. Not $2 million today, but $2 million 100 years ago. And the executives were terrified of telling Rockefeller about this. Eventually, it fell to one individual to go into Rockefeller's office and talk to him about what had happened. Rockefeller didn't even look up from the desk. He said, you've come to talk to me about the $2 million. The executive said, yes, sir, what should we do about and named the executive. Rockefeller looked up, he said, I've been looking through the papers here on my desk. I've been looking at what that man contributed to the growth of this company. And he says, well, $2 million is a terrible loss. But when I look at the positive impact that he has made upon the life of this company, he says, I can forgive him. And I can ask you to forgive him. And I want you to tell him to carry on. God doesn't check a balance sheet. What we've done good and what we've done bad and then forgive him. Forgive us. God doesn't respond in that manner. God forgives as we confess our sin. But in many ways what Rockefeller said to that young executive was, I forgive him, now carry on. And that very much typifies the life of David from this point on. Forgiven and carry on. When Katie read to us from 2 Samuel chapter 23, she read to us the the last words as recorded to the nation by David. They come in the form of a psalm. And then whenever she read from 1 Kings chapter 2, we read the last words which come from a king to his successor, to his son, to Solomon. So what is the legacy which David has left? The first thing to recall is that David has left a a united country. A country which had been fragmented. A country which has now been united, which has now got a capital sitting, a temple which is ready to be built, a a nation which has been brought together, boundaries expanding from from the south, from Egypt, right away up into the north to near the Euphrates River. A huge kingdom, a wealthy kingdom. As one historian, a secular historian, has said, in considering the matter of David's legacy, It might be well for those critics who negatively assess the great king's character, 3,000 years removed from the event, to reflect upon how the Hebrews viewed the history of David. The common expressions, City of David, Seed of David, Throne of David, and House of David, are testimonies to the stature of this man, in spite of his many mistakes. The fact that Jesus Christ acknowledged himself as the son of David is in itself a commentary on the greater status of this celebrated king. David left a legacy. If you like, he left a financial legacy. He left something very practical. He left, he left a kingdom. He left finances. He left power. But that's not the only legacy that we want to consider this morning. Whenever we read through 2 Samuel 23, we read four descriptive phrases of David. And it's worth our while just taking a moment to focus on those four. In many ways, they summarize the series that we have considered up to now. It says, David, the son of Jesse. David started off as a young man, an unknown Oli, he actually took us on that journey where where Samuel came to, to anoint the king. And if you remember, the boys were all brought out, the sons were all brought out, and eventually the young shepherd who was out minding the sheep, the youngest of the lot, David. Because God knew David's heart, David became the king. He was the son of Jesse. And then it goes on to say, the man raised up on high. The man raised up on high referring to his military conquest, his power, all of those events that we have narrated and, and, and considered over the year or over the month. And David Bingham took us to one of those events when he showed the, the strength and, and the power of the man, guided by the hand of God, as he went through and defeated enemies. And then Sa- Second Samuel talks about the anointed of the God of Jacob. And it talks here about the covenant relationship that God established with David in 1 Samuel chapter 7. And that whole idea of a covenant relationship where God promised to bless David and God promised to bless his kingdom and to make it an everlasting kingdom. And the whole idea of covenant was illustrated in the life of, of Jonathan and Mephibosheth. And Will Johnson talked about that when he addressed to us the covenant relationship. And then last week we talked about the Psalms and the sweet psalmist of Israel. And David constructed 50% of the Psalms which are written in the book of Psalms. We looked last week at Psalm 51 in particular. But he wrote 73 of the Psalms. They're, They're acknowledged as being Psalms of David. And then we find in the New Testament that two of the Psalms are then further attributed to David. So out of those 150 Psalms, David left 75 of the 150 beautiful Psalms, expressing his heart, worshipping God, taking us into the tragedy, taking us to the heights, taking us to the lows, confessing sin. And he opens his heart to us. And we see what it is for the heart of man to worship, to adore, and to confess to God. The legacy of the Psalms. It's very, very difficult to actually attribute a Psalm to an actual event in David's life. Sometimes it's very explicit. Sometimes it's very clear, as in Psalm 51. But other times it's not so clear. And many a scholar has tried to identify the psalm and attribute it to a chronological event. And while it is difficult to do so, it is relatively safe to say that the vast majority of those 75 psalms that were written were probably written later on in David's life and may actually be written in the period after his thing with Bathsheba. One scholar actually goes as far as saying That as many as 59 of those psalms could be attributed to that period. We don't know. But suffice it to say, the pouring out of his heart and the beauty of the psalms is a legacy which David left. But then in 2 Samuel, he talks about an everlasting covenant. He talks about a covenant which is eternal. He he talks about a covenant about a future king. He talks about a royal lineage which would lead on forever. David is prophesying and has prophesied within the Psalms and here that his kingdom will lead to the fulfillment of God's promise of the coming of the Messiah. And so we see here in 2 Samuel a promise of the coming Messiah. We look forward hundreds of years, almost a thousand. And whenever we get there, we see the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we see a lineage which is laid out for us in the the gospel accounts. And right in there is son of David. And David was in the ancestral lineage Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's left a united country, he's left the beauty of the Psalms, and he's left a promise of the coming Messiah. Do you possess a a treasured heirloom in your family, something that's been handed down from generation to generation? I'm reminded of the story of the family who had this treasured vase which had come down through many generations was handed on to the next generation, to the next generation. And one day, mum and dad came in, and they were met at the door by their teenage children, and their teenage children held in their hands the shattered fragments of this vase and said, you know that legacy? You know that handing down which has taken place? Well, we have broken it. We have broken it. There's another very important legacy which we as parents hand on, and that is the legacy of our faith to our children. Now, I am fully aware, very consciously aware, that some of you who are listening to this this morning have prayed for and supported your children right throughout life's journey. You have introduced them to the Christian faith. You have encouraged them in the Christian faith. And they have made that decision that they would leave that faith and walk away. And that grieves you and that causes you great pain. You pray for them every night. I am fully aware of that as I talk about the next point. And that is David's last words to his son Solomon. David died whenever he was 70 year old, 960 B.C. He had been king for 40 years and he was handing over now to a young man, young Solomon, who possibly was around about 20 years of age. He was a young man and David is handing over to him the whole responsibility of governing this massive kingdom. And he says to Solomon, what I want you to do, first of all, is to walk in his ways Walk in his way. Live according to God's command. Keep his decrees and watch how you live. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully with me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. David's words to his son. Walk with God walk with him keep his decrees watch how you live and that message is so important that we communicate that to our children that we don't just assume that in a vacuum that they would absorb it or that is a responsibility of the church or that is a responsibility of a professional preacher or whatever it might be it is a responsibility that we have as parents to take that message to take that faith that has being so important to us, to communicate it to our children in how we behave, in how we respond, and how we live our life. Introduce them to the Word of God. Pray with them. Take them to the Bible stories. Hand over that important legacy. That's in itself as as a whole sermon, a sermon that we don't have time to go into this morning. But it is one of the legacies of David that he commanded his son to follow in his ways, to walk in his ways, that is the ways of God, to keep his decrees and to watch how he would live. But there's also an important legacy. Not only has he left the legacy of the, the, the kingdom, the United Country, not only has he left the legacy of the beauty of the Psalms, not only has he the legacy of the promise of the coming Messiah, he not only the legacy of instructions to his young son, but he's also left a temple or a plan for a temple. God told David that he couldn't build the temple Because there was blood on his hands. That David was not allowed to engage in that building process. But David prepared for that temple. He went out of his way to get ready for the construction of that temple. When we read in the the book of 1 Chronicles, we realize the volume of material that David cleared and gathered the silver, the gold, the metals, the wood to build the temple. He cleared the land, the location of the temple. He did all the preparation for the temple. He was ready for the temple to be handed over, but he wasn't allowed to build it. And so he handed it over, the building process, to his son. The confidence of handing over to the next generation. The confidence of being able to step back and say, I have done my bit, I am now willing to step back and to hand it over to the next generation. We have a generation of young people, men and women in the church, it is our responsibility to nurture them, to prepare them, to give them the, the instruments that they can use as they reach into a next generation. You know, it would have been very, very easy for David to have taken each nail and on the head of each nail stamped the royal seal of the house of David. That as you walked into the temple which was never called David's Temple. It was always known as Solomon's Temple. Now, a sign on the front door, the provisions for this temple were provided by King David. No. David did what God asked him to do, stepped back and handed it over to the next generation. Leaving a legacy is very important. We talked about leaving a financial legacy, but we as a church have had much left to us. This year we were going to celebrate our 150th anniversary. It has been deferred because of the pandemic. I'm not going to take time now to give you a history of the church, but suffice it to say that a group of young men and women, young men and women, were influenced very much by the principles and the practices of the early assemblies down in Dublin, And a couple of them, by the name of Margaret and Martin Shaw, came up from Dublin to Belfast and, with other believers, established this type of church in the greater Belfast area. They met in Christopher Street and King Street, subsequently in the Abercorn Rooms and in other buildings in the city, before they met in Victoria Memorial Hall and then moved to the Crescent Church. We moved here in 1977. So when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about the building. Please understand, I'm talking about the congregation. It's the 150th anniversary of our congregation, meeting in the form with the principles and the practices that we engage to this day. I wonder what it would have been like if one of those early founders came into Crescent today. I'm going to do something It's going to be just a little bit dramatic. I'm going to open this blind Just over my left shoulder, as you look out through that window, you can see a row of terrace houses. On the other side of that row of terrace houses, there used to be a residential home. In that home, just to my left, was where one of the founders of our present church passed away on the 19th of December, 1911. There was no association with this building. This building was a Presbyterian church which had just been recently constructed. And when he passed away in that building just over there, I wonder if he understood the legacy which he was to leave, which he was to hand over from generation to generation. If he came into Crescent today, of course it would be been dramatically different in many ways to what he would have experienced in 19, 1870 whenever he went to that small church, that small assembly in Belfast. But yet many of the principles and the practices that he introduced from Dublin, that they were brought up here by men and women, are still carried on today. They're different in the way we carry them on, but they are there. And in many ways, this is what we're talking about with David. He had the plan. He had everything. He left the legacy. He handed it over. It was ready to go. And that's what we have to do for our next generation. We have to prepare. We have to leave a foundation. But they need to carry on and move forward in their strength and in God's help and strength. So what was that legacy which David left? He left a United Country. He left to us the beauty of the Psalms. He left to us a promise of the coming Messiah. He left to us a plan for the temple which his son Solomon constructed. He left to us the instructions to his son to walk in his ways. And so we as a generation who have served the Lord and are moving on, we have a responsibility to leave A legacy not a financial legacy many of us will do that many of us will leave money and finances to our families we're not talking about that but we're talking about that relationship that we have with our Lord Jesus Christ with the Almighty God we look forward to the coming again of the Messiah we look forward to his coming and his return we look forward to our families and our children coming to that point of faith And we hand over with confidence to the next generation as they go on. David left a legacy. Martin Shaw left a legacy. What is my legacy? What is your legacy? Our future generations will reflect on and talk about the impact upon their life. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that through him and by him we have eternal life so that we can come into your presence as Almighty God. Father, we are so conscious of the legacy which each of us will leave behind, positive and potentially even negative. Now, Father, we pray that each of us may have the wisdom and the ability to walk in your ways to instruct in your ways, to follow your ways, to prepare the next generation and to step back and to have the confidence to hand it over. Father, we thank you that we are looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. We are looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look forward and help us, our Father, to communicate to our children and our children's children that there is a hope and a real hope of the coming again. Your Son. Father, help each of us individually to leave a legacy a legacy of worship, a legacy of following, a legacy of being able to rely and depend entirely upon You. So we thank You, our Father, for this time that we've had together. We'd ask our Father for Your blessing with us now in the name of Your Son the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn is entitled By Faith, which is very appropriate for what we've been considering this morning as we move forward and live a life by faith. Let's sing our our closing hymn together.